welcome back to another episode of Better With Chocolate. It is I, your host, Kristen Dominique. And if you missed me last week, uh, yeah, sorry about that. Just had uh, a busy, busy week and um, yeah, the days just got away from me and uh, on the usual day that I record, you know, for the episode release on Friday, um, yeah, I couldn't do it and trying to squeeze it in after that was just near impossible so I was like you know what yeah I'm gonna just skip this week and uh start fresh this week so here I am what's up how's everybody doing I hope everybody has been good um hope you've been enjoying the beautiful weather that we've been having very summer-like summertime weather you know, taking in the sun. I definitely have been, you know, been going for more walks and taking bike rides and, you know, it's been nice. It's been real nice, you know. Um, What hasn't been too nice are these gas prices, though. I mean, I don't know if the governing entities are playing a sick, sad joke on us by um, raising the prices of gasoline as the weather gets nicer and we want to be outside and do things so i don't know you know is it going to be a summer a chill summer at home type of thing or are you guys still going to be spending them dollars and uh driving around all over the place and doing what you got to do you know what neither option is a bad idea in my books live your life do what makes you happy do what brings you joy and if that means driving around the city or driving to destinations to exercise that happiness then by all means do it okay (laughs) I don't know these days I'm all about you know doing what makes you happy and leaning into what feels good because hey you know what life is unpredictable and um yeah I'm sure you guys know where I'm going with that so don't have to say anything else aside from that but take each day with gratitude and don't take it for granted So, yeah, don't worry about the cost of things. Money flows. It comes and goes, right? So don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Enjoy yourself is all I'm I'm getting at with that. (laughs) So, yes, I don't really have any pop cultural updates or thoughts or opinions, really. Um, I'm a little dated with some of the stuff. I know that um, the infamous and controversial uh, YouTube personality, Kevin Samuels, has passed. And it came with a mixed response from the general public. And honestly, listen, I don't know much of the guy's body of work. Just the snippets, the controversial snippets that made its way around Um, social media and stuff like that of like some of the you know wild and out-of-pocket things that he was uh, saying is all I really know of this guy Um, what I do understand of what he does what he did was you know people would call into his show women men whatever and I guess try to get dating advice from this guy and I guess he was like really honest or harsh with his opinions and his thoughts um about black women and elevating themselves or things that they're doing that's not allowing them to, I guess, attract high value men 
and then same thing with men who weren't doing the things they need to do to be a high value man and whatever I don't know I don't know whatever that's I again I, I haven't I haven't watched any of his things in in full to get like full context of it um the bits and pieces that I have seen kind of made me kind of like raise an eyebrow you know at it because while I can while I can like you know I guess some of what he was saying put in context right because again like you got to take these conversations that he's having with these people specific to these conversations like sorry specific to these people um and while there may be you know there are his opinions whatever I find like there's a way in which you can execute these things like there's a way in which you can say things because again words have meaning right and words have power and it's not always so much what we're saying but it's how we choose to say it that can really make a difference in how the message is being delivered and um I think that was probably my biggest problem with him but anyways I digress regardless he had passed suddenly um I don't know what the details of his death are but what was causing a lot of stir after that was just people some people celebrating his death and some people you know heralding him as a legend and a hero and a god and like whatever both sides of that I find very problematic um you know people are allowed to feel how they feel but I don't think any death should be ridiculed or you know celebrated in a way you know as I mean like he wasn't some like you know blood crazed madman I don't know anyways <laughs> basically what I'm getting at is like yeah you know a loss of a life is sad you know he is a person a regular person outside of the YouTube sphere you know he has family he has loved ones um who I'm sure are deeply saddened by his loss and um yeah for those that are idolizing this person come on now let's not do that let's not do that let's not stop stop he was just a man who had a microphone and a video camera and shared his opinions with the world and you know was being very controversial for for views and clicks and whatever okay let's not let's not idolize people like that like let's not idolize these social media personalities period let's not idolize celebrities let's not idolize anybody okay all right anyway so that's that happened um i don't have any updates on the amber heard and, and uh johnny depp um case i don't know what's going on with that so please feel free to uh fill me in um, I haven't really been heavily on my socials, to be quite honest, in the last couple of weeks. Um, but in more exciting news, K-Dot is back. Kendrick Lamar finally released some new music after a hiatus. I don't even know how long he's been on hiatus, but the man is back. And he dropped a track, The Heart Part 5. And I'm sure everybody has seen the video, everybody has taken in the song, very powerful stuff. Um, not only with the lyrics, but also with the visuals. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. I don't want to spoil it for anybody who may have not seen it, but it's it's good stuff. It's dope. It's in true Kendrick fashion. And yeah, amazing. Excited for his album. I believe it dropped already by this time, or maybe by the time this episode comes out, it may have already been released. But yeah, Kendrick's back, so we good um yeah so anyways this week you know i was hoping to keep it light and breezy you know like the last few episodes i suppose but um i want to talk about something that's kind of been heavy on my mind for a while like and i don't mean like 
just in the last few weeks, the last few months, but the last couple of years, you know, and in particular since the rising of the whole Black Lives Matter movement, um, but specifically in regards to the art world. Now, what I want to talk about is Black trauma in art. Or, specific, or more so how black artists are expected to commodify our traumas. Okay. So here's my thing. It's like we have become so desensitized to seeing black death on our screens that it's really the only way that people will pay attention, you know? And I've been finding more and more, you know, in, in, in art, whether it's done by black artists or just, you know, non-black artists, when it comes to speaking about, you know, social, social, you know, justice and, you know, specific and particularly to black people, it's always connected to police brutality. And while it is something that should be discussed, um, I am very uncomfortable with how comfortable people are in sharing these videos, right? Sharing these videos, sharing these images, and, you know, just regurgitating these narratives and these storylines in TV shows and films um, and in art, right? So we as black artists, like I said, are expected to commodify our traumas in ways that legitimize the very same structures that oppress us. We can express our histories of pain and traumas as long as it does not make white folks uncomfortable. It must be incorporated to serve various mythologies. So what do I mean by this? For example, look in movies such as Black Panther or Green Book or any movie that serves a character to be a quote white savior of sorts. While one film, Black Panther, was to serve as a celebration of global blackness and to envision a world free of colonialism, albeit told in the realm of superheroes, and the other was to highlight a horrific time in American history, both narratives incorporated some palatable aspects for white audiences. Inclusivity, right? Despite living in a world that continuously tries to exclude us. But I digress. I want to make something abundantly clear though. Not all black art is struggle art, but that doesn't sell. Why is that? Why does black trauma and pain sell? So the feel good movies or the quote unquote feel good movies about slavery, you know, where the storyline could be a white man who suddenly has a shift in his moral compass and saves a black woman slave and they fall in love and run off into the sunset is the narrative that wins every time, as opposed to the narrative that shows the atrocities and shows the history for what it really was, right? Meaning that black people were dehumanized, murdered, starved, and just treated like worse than animals at the benefit, you know, of a particular group of people. And it was not pretty, it was not feel good, and it was not happy. So why does the embellishment and the glossy, you know, butterflies and rainbows, you know, side of it, why do people want to continue to live in the lie, basically? Right? These are questions 
just to keep in mind, you know, as we have this conversation. <laughs> so, in addition to these white savior tropes, as I mentioned, we also have the, what I like to call the exception, you know, or the one who is not like the other. The, that serves the narrative that, oh, well, he's not like the others, or they're not like the others, you know, not all white people are bad. And while that may be true, obviously, you know, we're not blank putting a blanket statement on anything. I don't like generalizing. But when it comes to telling our stories, or telling the histories of our human existence, we need to stick to the truth, even though it may be hard, and even though it may hurt. It happened, it was what it was, and you can't run from that. But people choose to live in the fantasy. And that to me is troubling. So these tropes in black art serve as a, what I like to call a, a cushioning of the conscience. So going back to the notion of making black art that is palatable to white audiences, these tropes perpetuate the idea that black people cannot free ourselves that we must rely on the aid of white saviorism to experience any semblance of being free. So as humans, you know, we tend to like to label and compartmentalize, so therefore this notion places things neatly in little boxes of, you know, good and bad. It also allows for people to avoid confronting their similarities with the quote bad people, or the fact that their position in life is due to the works of these bad people. So therefore, avoiding self-reflection and to further continue their existence in their skewed, delusional version of reality. Further to that, it suggests that if we were all just nicer and more accepting of each other, that racism will just go away, right? Completely ignoring the fact that they have, there have been and continue to be systems and institutions in place and designed to uphold these archaic and violent ideals. So what's the problem with that? Well, as black artists who, like anyone else in the world, experience pain and trauma in our existence, however, unlike most people, we are expected to relive, replicate, and repackage our experiences in the name of art. Our traumas are often racialized and rarely recognized. We are subjected to a slew of stereotypes like the quote, strong black woman trope, or invulnerable, or to the superhuman black man trope, or inhuman. By packaging our humanity in this way, it absolves society from, or it absolves us from disrupting the status quo and legitimizes the very system that caused these traumas in the first place. But here is the double-edged sword as an artist. So being an artist is hard enough as it is, right? The looming dread of rejection hangs over you whenever you submit something, you know, whether you put your art out there, especially if it's art that may be deemed controversial. So being a black artist in a predominantly white occupied space, that is the art world more or less, adds to that struggle. And while some independently owned artist run spaces may make room for such works, Taking it to a larger stage comes with some red tape. So how can we create honest work without compromising the truth to begin with? How can we trust that what we have to say as black artists will have a place on the world stage? Well, there is one way. I say this with a heavy heart. 
We live in a society where violence against black people and black bodies on the ground have become a common scene. Under the guise of raising awareness about something that is very widely known and yet quietly accepted. Because even though we have this knowledge, even though it is something that has, it's, it's not new. It's not something that's just been happening in this millennium. Racism and violence towards black people has existed, like, it goes way, way back. Even before colonialism and the transatlantic slave trade, okay? This is not new. These are just common practices that has just been modernized in the changing times. Because now that there are legal things in place, people can't legally own black people as commodities anymore. But they can commodify our existence. They can commodify our essence. They can commodify our pain. And they can commodify our traumas. Right? So under the guise of raising awareness... You know, videos of police brutality, gang violence, or even a freak accident, such as that young man that passed away tragically at that amusement park. The fact that that video was even allowed to be circulated around the internet is just mind-blowing to me. And it's like, there was no regard of those black families and friends who are mourning the loss of their loved ones. Or even just the mourning of black people globally watching another black body lying lifeless on the ground. I mean, I don't see videos of, you know, when white terrorists go on shooting sprees in metropolitan cities or shooting up schools or doing anything like that. You don't see those videos circulating. You don't see videos of other, you know, races perpetuating violence or, or dying in the streets or anything like that. At least that, that, I, that, I, that I'm not privy to. Maybe at least not here in North America. I can't speak to other social media, you know around the world but the point is i have always had a problem or found it very troubling that these videos can be widely like spread and shared without censor i mean there's always a caution beforehand most part but it still gives you access to view these things like why isn't it not taken down you know the fact that these platforms can ban images of the female breast or a celebrity in a compromising position they can scrub it off the internet no problem without thought but yet there's, there, there's no taking down or censoring videos of black people being killed or being circulated through these networks. And so when I see videos like this being used in art, especially in like large well-known galleries, you know, these videos in tiny dark rooms on loop with somber music in the background, you know, as, you know, white onlookers take it in and watch it with momentary sadness. Like, it just makes me just go like, ugh. And, and I just keep walking because as a black person, I don't need to take in art like that. Like, I understand that that art, that that piece of work is not for me. It's for it's for non-black people. But as a black person, when I walk into an art space and I see work that's either, you know, that's 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 highlighting police brutality or violence against black people you know, I understand the purpose. Like, I, I, I get it. You know, you really, you kind of want to, you know, art is to make people think. It's, but I personally feel that this type of art or using these videos, these real life videos of these people's tragic deaths in the name of art. 
I don't think it's having the effect, at least in this point in time. It's not having the effect that I think the artist is hoping it would. Because by the time that people take in your 30 second to a minute or five minute video loop and they leave that gallery, they're moving on with their day. They're heading to the next nearby restaurant or the next Starbucks and they're grabbing their coffee and they're moving along. They're not thinking about that piece. Because people are like, they're used to it. It's so sad to say and it breaks my heart, but they're used to these images. So basically the point I'm getting at is that violence against black people being used in art seems to be the only way to get people to pay attention, right? Whether it be in, you know, the visual arts or, you know, in movies, television, you know, photographs, whatever the case may be. But the shock value is no longer there because there are images that we see on a continual basis. Every day you open up your phone, there's something in regards to black bodies. And often I wonder if artists that are responding to these, you know, like responding to the Black Lives Matter movement or just to, you know, you know, take this, add the social justice element to their work. If they're doing so because they are truly concerned about these issues or if they simply recognize the financial and critical benefits that go along with creating work around these subjects. Because, I mean, we've seen how these corporations have stepped up in light of the George Floyd um, uprising, right? How all these corporations came to the forefront and they were making commercials and they were making marketing campaigns and whatever, you know, supporting black lives and doing this and doing that and whatever, whatever. Listen, it's all lip service. And the thing that's even more crushing about it is that these are like white owned corporations, you know, and going back to my question about wondering if people that are responding, like, you know, to these, uh, to, to, to this movement or to this cause, is it really because they do like they, they give a shit or is it because they understand that they can make money? It's what's hot. It's what's trending. It's what's selling. You know, it's cool to care about black people, you know, fuck that. You know what I mean? We really need to question why that is. And why as artists, especially black artists, do we opt in to participate in this? Like I've been saying, we don't need to raise awareness. We don't need to teach. We don't need to give them reminders. Like I said, the atrocities are known. The histories and stories have been wild, like widely shared. Social media has educated more people in 10 years than centuries of academia has. You know what I mean? There is nothing new under the sun. So what we need to do as black artists is not fall into the trap of minimizing ourselves and compromising our truths to make others feel comfortable. Our stories are not for them. Our pain and traumas are not for them. It is for us to release. But our pain and traumas have been told over and over through the lens of white characters or white creators, through inaccurate Hollywood embellished movies about slavery, gang violence, etc. These are not our stories. As artists, we have the power to do that. We need to put out more art that shows our brilliance, our beauty, our strength. And I don't mean strength in the survivor sense. I mean, just our pure, natural strength. And we need to change the narrative. We need to take back control of our stories. We have 
the power to do that. What are we waiting for? Permission? We don't need permission. (laughs) I don't know. Like, this has been something that's been on my mind. And it's something that I've put in, in, in conscious thought when creating pieces. Because, again, as a black artist, I've grown up not seeing enough of our faces or representation of us in, you know, these spaces. And when I do see these representations of us, it's always in tragic death and sadness and violence. And you know what? We are multifaceted people. We are not just our tragedies. We are not just our suffering. We are not just our struggle. There is a whole other side of us that is beautiful and magical. And as an artist, I've decided to take those elements and put that in my art. So if you've seen my work, you would see that I it, it, I make beautiful pictures of faceless black figures. And the reason why I choose to do faceless black figures is because I want, I want us to look at these images and see ourselves in it. So that is what, I, what I'm choosing to do as an artist. Let's focus less on our pain and celebrate our brilliance. Like, there's so much of that. Whew. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Um, it got a little bit more passionate than I was intending it to. But again, I wasn't lying when I said this has been heavy on my heart. <laughs> you know? Um, and honestly, I had... I had written out my talking points and, and, you know, everything in preparation for this to, you know, avoid, you know, it getting as passionate as it did. But uh, hopefully I'm going to re-listen to this and hopefully it flows and it makes sense. Um, and it's pretty, uh, it's pretty coherent. I think it, it, it might be, but uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Because uh, really the window of time to re-record is very slim. So it's going to go out how it goes out. <laughs> the raw, real truth. Because that's what we do here at BWC, having real raw conversations. Or monologues in this case, because it's only me. For now. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in. You can follow the podcast at BWC Podcast on Instagram. Uh, If you want to send me a message or get in contact with me, you can do so via Instagram. Or you can email at betterwithchocolatepod at gmail.com. And... As you may know already, I am an artist myself, and I do have my own Instagram page. It is called The Art of K. Dominique, so please give that a follow. I have two shows coming up in the summer, so uh, yeah, follow that page to stay tuned if you are interested in checking those out, Um, particularly if you are more in the GTA West side of things. Um, Yeah, I also do run a small business as well where I make one of a kind earrings uh, you where you can also purchase my prints and as well original paintings if you so fancy to have um, you know a Kristen Dominique original in your dwelling um, so the, for that you can visit my website at shopkdadesigns.com or or no not or and follow my business Instagram as well shopkdadesigns Anyways, I'm babbling at this point. So any, yeah. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, I appreciate the love and support. Um, And 
and yeah get that sunshine if it's out where you are um, and yeah be safe love each other be well and until next time peace